Praise be to God. It's so good to share God's word with you this morning. If you would, open your Bibles to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. If you're joining with us on campus and you do not have a copy of God's word, I would encourage you to look underneath the seat that you're sitting in or underneath the seat that is in front of you. There should be a blue Bible there. I'd encourage you to take that Bible, open up to page 1012. 1012. 1012. In all honesty, January is a tough month for myself and especially my wife. Our firstborn child would be 18 years old this coming Wednesday. Uh, But the Lord blessed us with him only for a short period of time, but I'm thankful for that gift that he gave to us. And I'll never forget, uh, my wife's doctor uh, advised uh, abortion at the time. And I'm thankful that we we have a God that's bigger than that. And uh, though the journey has been very difficult, God's grace has been sufficient. And so I'm thankful that we have a gracious God. And I'm thankful for this church. Uh, The Lord has allowed me and blessed me to be uh, in this church for 22 years. Uh, This has been my home church for 22 years. Not all of it served in a pastoral role, but uh, this is my family. And I'm thankful for the family of God that's here. I'm thankful for many years and many memories and many experiences and and lord willing there'll be many more to come and my prayer for you is if you've been here for one week one month or almost 40 years whatever that time period is i pray that this place has been a blessing for you and you've been able to uh, extend that blessing and being a blessing uh, to the people around you and and god is so good and one of the things that uh, we're going to do today and just celebrating god's goodness is we have the opportunity to ordain two men into uh, the deacon ministry and and the deacon ministry has been so vital in my life and and really vital to the life of the church and uh, you'll see a a picture behind me of our our deacons that are serving for 2024 and I'm so thankful for these men and for those that are married I'm thankful for their spouses who are really leading servants within the church and and we have an opportunity uh, at the end of our service today two of those men will be ordained and we get to celebrate that, we get to witness that, and we get to uh, just be a part of what God is doing in and through uh, the life of his church. When we think about the idea of a deacon, uh, the Greek word uh, deacon in the New Testament uh, refers to uh, sometimes a ministry or a service and also servant. And so in a, in a general sense, when we think about uh, us as brothers and sisters in Christ, in a general sense, all of us are deacons, right? We're, we're servants. Um, And so I want us to be reminded of that because though some of the language that we'll hear this morning through the passage of scripture and and the way that it will teach it, uh, and it's specifically to the office of deacon, let us not forget that you and I as brothers and sisters in Christ have an amazing opportunity uh, to reflect Christ and how we live to reflect the one who came to serve and not be served. And so as we go through this passage this morning, again, don't forget uh, that the characteristics that we're looking at uh, as far as uh, healthy servants within the body of Christ, uh, they should be evident of all of us, right? All of us who uh, have been redeemed by the grace of God. Uh, And so we're going to look through a passage this morning, and and again, as as we read through this, we're going to look at uh, three specific character traits as we think about uh, marks of healthy servanthood. Uh, We look in Acts chapter 6, beginning in uh, verse 1. The scripture says, Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. 
And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenius, and Nicolaus, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. So as we study this passage this morning, as we lead towards uh, just ordaining these two men that will come before us a little later, let us not forget that the traits that we're going to talk about this morning that are displayed in this passage should be true of us as followers of Christ. And the first trait that we see here is healthy servants are helpful. Healthy servants are helpful. One of the ways that deacons bless the church, the body of Christ, and bless uh, pastors in the church uh, is how they come alongside and they help. We see this beginning in verse 1, the first part of verse 1. The scripture says, in these days when the disciples were increasing in number. That's an amazing statement. The Holy Spirit of God is amazing. Right? You look at the early church. You go back to Acts chapter 1, before the, the institution of the church the, in Jerusalem, there's uh, it, it's a small number, if you will. In Acts 1, where it says that Jesus ascended into heaven after uh, those 40 days in between the resurrection and the ascension, uh, it says that 120 people were gathered in the upper room, right? A, a small people of faith, if you will. And then by the time you get to Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit of God goes on the move, right? That first Sunday morning worship service, if you will, and 3,000 people come to faith in Christ. The church is growing. In Acts 2, verse 47, the scripture says, The Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Two important things. It's the Lord that does the saving, right? We're just instruments in the Redeemer's hands, right? We're not saving souls. We're planting seeds. God is the one that's saving souls. That's important. The second thing that is important is for us to recognize that God doesn't just move on Sundays, right? It says that day after day after day, the number was increasing those who were being saved. That should be an amen to us, right? God's power is not regulated to this building, to this one hour or hour and a half if Pastor Jason is preaching, right? (laughs) I got to take it when I can, right? In Acts 4, during their second worship gathering, the scripture says that they only counted the men and the, the number of being added were 5,000. So in two weeks, you have just the churches busting out of the seams. It's exploding. And I love what Acts 4.32 says. The scripture says, now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. They were unified. They were together. They were a family. 
Now, why is that important? Because when we get to the second part of verse 1 in Acts 6, the scripture says a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And so uh, the Hellenists would have been those who uh, came from uh, not the traditional side of Jewish culture, uh, so they had a different culture mix. Um, And what's happening here in this particular passage is that though the church is growing, there's also an issue. Right? There's an issue that's happening. Now, we don't under- know for sure if it was intentional or unintentional that there was uh, preferential treatment given to those who were uh, of the, truish, uh, the traditional Jewish descent. We're not sure. Uh, but what we do know is that the, the scripture, specifically in the Old Testament, uh, God in his grace gives specific instructions on how you are to care for the most vulnerable in society. And one of the, the groups of people that would be in the most vulnerable society would be those who are widows. I love the book of Ruth. If you go look at the book of Ruth, you see how this is played out very specifically on how God has given tremendous provision for those who are the most vulnerable in society. And now, that practice has been carried over into what? Into uh, the church. But it appears that uh, there's preferential treatment that's beginning to happen again. It could just be what has appeared. We don't know. In other words, you have uh, people that have grown up in the same town, right? They speak the same language. They're dressed a certain way, a specific way, if you will. And all of a sudden, you have a, a, another group of people that begin to enter in, right? That's what happens when the Holy Spirit of God moves. God moves in miraculous ways that he brings people from all nations, right? All different backgrounds, and he begins to bring them together. And when that happens, and as that happens, guess what? There's a tension that arises up, right? We have to be honest that it is very, very, very difficult to live in great unity when one, with one another when we're diverse, right? I mean, you think about the cultural differences we have, the racial differences that we have, the socioeconomic differences that we have, the political views that are different. I mean, some of us get bent out of shape when we send a text message and we find out that they're not an Apple user, right? That just makes us work up. They're Android. There's something's wrong with them, right? So all these different things begin to play within the church, and we're not immune to that, right? In fact, it's living in a diverse community of faith that really exposes really this, the sinfulness of our flesh, right? We want our preferences. We want it our way. And so when your hometown begins to change because God is on the move, things begin to happen. And in this particular case, not only was the church growing in number, but there was an, a threat to that growth. There was a potential place of disunity. And the scripture says uh, that a complaint, they, people begin complaining. Now that's a very important word in the Greek because it communicates uh, a murmuring in the back corner, right? So there's a discussion that begins to happen in a, in a secret group of people, if you will, and that grumbly begins to rise up. So that, that's important to recognize. Guess what? Because that happens with us, right? You have an issue, and instead of rightly addressing it, there's a, a gathering that begins to happen behind the scenes, and all this is happening. And so that issue begins to become a greater issue, right? That's what happens. And so this idea of complaining uh, is very significant, and word gets out, because eventually it will, right? So how does it get addressed? 
what happens? Acts chapter two, uh, 6, verse 2, the scripture says, and the 12, the 12 here, specifically the apostles, uh, they summoned the full number of the disciples. So the, the, the apostles gathered the church together, right? Whereas this small group of individuals that were complaining, and rightly so, they had a re- real issue that needed to be addressed, but instead of going about it in a way that, that gave a cause for opportunity of disunity, the apostles bring the church together, right? And the scripture says, and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Now, let's think about this for just a minute, because that phrase, it is not right, is very, very important. The apostles are in no way saying that serving of tables is beneath me. In other words, distributing food to the most vulnerable of society, the widows in particular, they're not saying that that's beneath me. What they're meaning by it's not right means it's not desirable, it's not fitting, it is not the most appropriate. Why? Because God has called us to a different task specifically, teaching the word of God and praying. That was the specific task. So it's not saying that that's beneath me. What the scripture is saying that if we, if we neglect the primary responsibilities that God has given to us, guess what? The church is going to be, begin to suffer. And so the apostles, with great humility, recognize that they can't do it all on their own, right? That's what the apostles are acknowledging here. Why? Because they don't have the time. They don't have the resources. They don't have the gifting that is necessary within the body of Christ, right? They have a specific gift for a specific purpose, but they don't have all the gifts, right? The same is true of pastors today. Pastors, in our humility, must submit to that and recognize that the church is the church because God has done it. And he has gifted the church in such a way to be healthy, and pastors and pastors alone, and you and you alone, can't do it on your own. And so what did they do? What was the uh, process that they took? Begin, and in verse 3, it says, Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. So they addressed the growth problem, the cultural problem, the generational problem uh, by getting the church together, right? And they asked the church to, to submit to us people that you see as spiritual servants within the church, spiritual leaders within the church. And that is important because they're not just selecting any individuals, right? The qualities or the characteristics they're looking at, uh, those that are good repute, those who are respected within the community, right? That's important. Then the scripture says, full of the spirit. So in humility, they're displaying the characteristics of the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, right? They're, They're not perfect, Right, But they they have a heart for the Lord, if you will. They're surrendering to the Lord and that of wisdom. So they're growing in their faith. They're mature. They're able to take the word of God, the truth of the the gospel, in our case, and and apply it to uh, their life. And so they sought out those who modeled Christ's likeness, and they turned those duties over to them. So deacons arose because of a sense of need. Right, That's what's happening uh, in the early church. And they are called and equipped to help meet those needs, and that's what's important. And praise God, we have healthy servants at Charleston Baptist Church. Again, I'm so thankful for the, the people, brothers and sisters in Christ, who serve so faithfully, things that you see and things that you do not see, faithfully giving their time and their gift and their treasures of the Lord to the betterment of the church. And so when we think about healthy servants, we're talking about those who are willing to help. Second thing that we see, healthy servants are supportive. They're supportive. Again, verse 4, that's the connection. But we, so here's the contrast, but we, talking about specifically the apostles, will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And I think that's important. The guardrails that the church needs so desperately is 
is the word of God and prayer. Prayer represents our dependency on the Lord, right? That's where power comes from. And then the centrality of the word is so important. And that's what was modeled within the early church. The centrality of the word of God is so significant. Acts 5 verse 42, the scripture says, And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is who? Is Jesus. And unfortunately, many churches today are getting away from the centrality of the word of God. And this is a reminder to us because guess what? The tension is here. The tension is this. The church is not built on performances or programs, but on the person and work of Jesus Christ. And that's why we have to stay central to the word of God. And through the Holy Spirit, God's word keeps us anchored in this life. The Apostle Paul talks about the centrality of the word of God in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. He says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable. That means it's sufficient. How is it sufficient? It's su- sufficient for teaching, so instruction, uh, for reproof. It tells us where we've gone wrong, uh, for correction, so it respor- restores us right to the right path again, and for training in righteousness. It's the word of God that helps build the spiritual muscles that we need to live in this life in such a way that it honors the Lord. And verse 17, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And so the apostles understood and recognized That in order for the church to grow, and not just grow, but to grow healthy as healthy disciples, they need to be reminded that we can't get sucked in, distracted by all the good things, right? We need to set aside our time for the best thing, what God has called us to. So they devoted themselves to prayer and to the word. The word devoted means they camped out, and that's what they did. They needed to camp out, spending time with the Lord in prayer and through his word so that they could teach the gospel in such a way that there would be great opportunity for disciples to grow healthy. And as healthy servants in the church, they supported the pastor or pastors. They leveraged their gifts in order to support the pastor so that they could leverage their gifts for the health of the church. Here's the reminder. Deacons aren't set apart so that they can try to gain control, right? This is not a power struggle, right? It's a mutual submission submission to the things of God, the function of God, and the way that God has designed the church to work. And so again, they're not, it's not a power struggle. You don't see that at all in Acts 6, right? You see humility, you see submission, you see proper leadership. Why? Because that's what the Holy Spirit of God was teaching them. And the role of the pastors is to what? To help prepare the saints to do the work of the ministry. This is the biblical mandate, the biblical model. Ephesians 4, verse 11 and 12, it says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, and the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to do what? To equip or to prepare the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So God in his grace has uniquely gifted you. If you are a brother or sister in the Lord, you sit here today gifted by God, right? That's not based on how you feel. Listen, I know the struggle. When the Lord was calling me into ministry, the the biggest obstacle for me, many of them, but one of the biggest ones, I didn't know the Bible. I didn't know the books of the Bible. I didn't grow up in church. I didn't get saved until later on in life. So everything about me was inadequacy, inadequacy, inadequacy. Guess what? Sometimes that's the best place to be because God is not looking in your ability. He's looking at your availability. Are you willing to surrender and submit to God's calling on your life? And guess what? God will equip you. And over the years, God has leveraged amazing men and women of God here at Charleston Baptist Church 
to help encourage me and help uh, shape me, the person that I am today. I would never have thought that this is where I would be. But God is so gracious and he is so good. And so you sit here today gifted by God. You have been given a grace gift at the moment of salvation. Nobody has been gifted just like you. God has uniquely designed you like no one else. And so you are valuable. And it's our role, your role, to manage and steward that gift well. That's what the scripture says in 1 Peter 4.10. And each has received a gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Now think about the amazing grace of God. There was a time where you and I were dead in our sin, right? But by God's grace, he revealed our need for him. And by God's grace, through faith, we received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And at that moment, we were justified fully. All sin, past, present, future, forgiven in Christ. And God did not take his hand off of us. But by his grace, he continues to to work in our lives in such a way that now we, we bear the fruit of the Spirit, right? His character in us is being poured out through us. Why? Because of the work of his grace. And not only that, he has gifted us by his grace for the good of the church and the glory of the Lord. What an amazing God that is. And we serve others. Why? Because of a response of God's service to us. Again, Jesus came to serve, not to be served. Think about that. Jesus serves us every day, and it's through the overflow of that that we serve those around us. So these grace gifts, they don't belong to us, right? They're for the good of the church and the glory of the Lord. And praise God. We have deacons who humbly support their pastors. The last trait that we'll look at this morning is this. Healthy servants are encouraging. Encouraging. So when the church functions in the way that God has designed it, submitting to the Spirit's work in their life, praying and submitting to the Word of God and keeping the Word of God central, guess what? It encourages the church. We see this in verses 5 and 6. It says, And what they said pleased the whole gathering. It encouraged the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and uh, Nicanor, and Timon, and Parimnius, and Nicholas, and a proselyte of Antioch. And if you come back next service, I'll probably say those all differently. But, you know, that's where we're at today. You guys can work on them. Verse 6, these they set before the apostles and they prayed and laid their hands on them. Here's the beauty. The solution to the issue was where? Right, right in front of them. Isn't God amazing to do that? A problem arises in the church and God so gifts the church in such a way that the solution to the problem is already there. That means as issues arise in this church, and there is no perfect church, and if you think you found it, please leave because you're going to mess it up, Right? But you are the solution to the issues that arise in this church. I am part of the solution to the issues that arise in this church. And what happens when uh, deacons are set apart, they're reminding us that it's a collective effort, right? The entire church is together in this. And those who are encouraging, especially to their pastors, it begins to multiply throughout the congregation. And people begin to... To change the thought, not of, I can't wait to see what the church is going to do for this or for that. No, they begin to embrace the fact that they are the church, they're part of the church, and say, hey, here's a need, 
How can I help meet that need? And that's what we see in the early church. We are sharing in the ministry that God has given to us, and it is an honor and a privilege to be a part of a church that loves the Lord and loves his people and loves his mission in the world. But we have to recognize we can't do it in our own strength. 1 Peter 4 verse 11 says, Whoever speaks is one who speaks. Oracles of God, whoever serves, is one who serves. By what? By the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. God has given us the strength to leverage the gift or gifts that he has given to us by his grace for the good of the church and hit the glory of his holy name. You know, the recognition is this. Uh, serving is not easy and convenient all the time, right? How many of y'all would attest to that? It requires a sacrifice, right? But the Lord gives us the strength. The Lord gives us a discernment on what needs to be addressed, when it needs to be addressed, and who needs to address it, right? And what happens when the church does that? When the church submits to the Holy Spirit, again, keeps prayer focused and the centrality of God's word where it needs to be, Look at what happens in Acts 6, verse 7. It says, And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Here's why this is important. If you don't look at verse 7, you will look at Acts chapter 6 and say, the purpose of this was to make sure widows were fed, and that pastors or apostles could spend time in prayer and, 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 and teach the word. It's much deeper than that, right? Yes, that is true, but it's deeper than that. Guess what happens? The whole book of Acts is about the gospel going where? Going to the nations, and not just the nations. The gospel is going out to those who are against Jesus and hostile to Jesus, and guess what? By the power of the gospel through the Holy Spirit and the power of his word, even those individuals are being saved by God's amazing grace. God in his grace advances the gospel to the nations, in part, how the church cares and loves one another. Why? Because the church is the visible gospel to a dying world. And when the church is submissive to the word of God and to the Holy Spirit of God, the gospel saves, the gospel changes, and the gospel transforms lives. And the Lord gets the praise and the glory for all that is happening within the church and everything that is happening through the church. Do you see why healthy servants are important within the body of Christ? Again, praise God that we have them. Not perfect, but honest. Not perfect, but humble. Not perfect, but healthy. The deacon ministry exists and is established because God has a love for his bride. Again, I, I said this earlier, Yes, it's a little heavier on the deacon ministry itself, and rightly so, because that's what the scripture is talking about. But again, it's not void of you. If you're a brother and sister in Christ, ask, ask yourself these questions. Are you a helper? I mean, think about your most influential relationships that you have today. Maybe you're married, or maybe you have children, or grandchildren, or where you work, or go to school, or where you do life. Are, are you a person that is helpful when it comes to the things of God? Are you helpful? Are you supportive? Are you an encourager? If I were to take the people in your life that you have the most influence in and sat them down and asked them, them quest those same questions, what would they say? 
again, it's a reminder to us that the ministry is not just about 13 San Miguel where we gather for worship. The ministry is where we live life. And so being a humble, healthy servant of God is not relegated to just this place. Your greatest ministry is in your home. Your greatest ministry is where you go to work. Your greatest ministry is where you go to school. Your greatest ministry is where you live life. And how that is laid out in your life and my life, that's the benefit of when we gather together. So if we're healthy disciples outside of 13 San Miguel, guess what? We're going to be healthy disciples inside 13 San Miguel. You see the bigger picture. So again, this is not just about deacons. This is about brothers and sisters in Christ. I want to encourage you. Maybe as we've gone through this and you've looked at those characteristics of being a helpful uh, helper or supportive or encouraging, and you find yourself, I'm in a season where that's not me. I find that I'm in a season in my life when it comes to the relationships that God has blessed me with that, that I'm living in the flesh, not through the spirit. And I need to have a time of confession. I need to confess that sin to the Lord, maybe seek forgiveness from the one person that I've wronged or the people that I've wronged. I need to repent of that sin. And I need to have a renewed trust in the gospel to know that the church, this church, and all the churches in the world that profess the name of Jesus Christ are a visible gospel to a dying world. It's much bigger than us. It's about his glory, his glory. So as we come to a time of response, as the worship team leads us.